You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and joining me in the studio is the full collective of Ken, Matt, and Jeff. How's it going? Hello. Hello. Pretty well. Uh, Today's pretty special. Um, We had uh, our great listeners, Doug and Kelly Bowles, uh, reach out for uh, an International Women's Day-themed game. Uh, We wanted to do something to celebrate and they've written uh, just a, a game for us to, to perform today and to, to play in. And we have some special guests coming to us over Skype. So starting uh, with Kenya Hitchens, uh, originally from New Orleans, but uh, now currently in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing tonight? All Excellent. Right. Do, doing great. Uh, so tell us a little about yourself. Originally from New Orleans, born and raised. Um, my background's marketing, and I'm out here in the Midwest right now. Just um... yeah, trying not to freeze. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Trying not to fall and bop my head on ice or anything like that. And you're also a singer, you told us as well. I am. Um, I'm the late singer of a classic rock band called Whiskey Moon out here in St. Louis. And uh, I sing pretty well. I also play keyboards pretty badly. <laughs> hey, if it's a keytar, no one plays it badly. Yeah, that just true. looks so, too cool. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for joining us today and for listening to the show and, and uh, having this be the first of many appearances, hopefully. Her teammate today is going to be Maddie Chandler, who is originally from Nixa, Missouri. So a little bit of a Missouri connection today, uh, but is currently in Omaha, Nebraska. How's it going, Maddie? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Excellent. Quite good, thanks. Yes, thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and how you found the show. So I am currently a third-year medical student at Creighton University in mm-hmm. Omaha, Nebraska. Um, also currently freezing as we've gotten like three inches of snow today on top of the three that we already had. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm just living, living life up here, going to school trying to make it through so but the end is in sight got just one more year and then i'll be off somewhere else in a residency are you guys so. blue jays at creighton is that what that we is? are we are the blue jays look at that knowledge there yeah it's a uh, kyle corver related oh is it mm. yeah he went to Creighton. oh yes we're very we're very proud of him and uh <laughs> and, 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 and doug mcdermott <laughs> oh dougie mcbuckets i miss him <laughs> yeah i don't know what any of that means but i i enjoy the camaraderie <laughs> Um, <laughs> speaking speaking in tongues now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, basketball, Neil. That's basketball. Basketball, basketball. 
So as much as the uh, gentleman in the studio wished to uh, play alongside you ladies, um, it seems that uh, due to, um, you know, just technical reasons, you guys are going to be on a team together mm-hmm. playing against Jeff and Matt. But uh, due to your collected interest in music and uh, the medical field, you came up with a great team name today. Yeah, their team is going to be the Supreme Nightingale uh, mm-hmm. in honor of the Supremes and Florence Nightingale. Yes, we are, nice. we are much less creative over on this side. Uh, Jeff, what did you say we were? Ah, we'll be the Curies. Mm-hmm. The Curies. Jeff's love of Each science. of the Nobel Prizes. So <laughs> we will just be trying to keep up is basically what this is. <laughs> and hosting today's excellent game. I think Neil already said it. Yes. Uh, Kelly and Doug Bowles uh, coming to us from Portland. They were uh, on a previous episode that you would have heard uh, that was James Bond theme that I hosted, but uh, they reached out graciously and, and wrote this game for us. And I'm going to have uh, Kelly explain a little bit more about how they came up with the idea and uh, reintroduce themselves. So uh, how's it going, uh, both of you? We're great. Well, at least I'm great. <laughs> I am too. We're very excited to be um, hosting this show. Um, this was actually my husband's idea. Um, I We've been together for 16 years, and um, I am a very fierce feminist, and in order for him to um, stick around for 16 years, um, he is also a very fierce feminist and um, actually was the one to reach out about um, hosting a, a, a trivia show specifically for International Women's Day. So all of the questions will be all about um, famous women and their accomplishments. And um, we've got a couple little tidbits of, of extra information um, for most of the questions as well. So um, hopefully it'll be It'll be fun, also educational, and yeah, we're really excited. And inspiring, mm-hmm. I should well, hope. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it'll be very inspiring because these women are really amazing. Well, first of all, thank you uh, guys for having us back. We're super, super excited, as Kelly said. Um, completely agree with everything you said, Kelly. I think the only thing I'd add is that in the questions, you're probably going to hear a lot of firsts. The first woman to do this, that, um, and I think that's obviously very important to remember and to celebrate. And you know, they tend to make good trivia questions first. But we, I think, we both uh, are excited to do this episode because um, we want to make sure that we celebrate those first, but also the hundredth, thousandth, millionth woman to do something uh, until it becomes, you know, acknowledged that you know, gender isn't really a requirement for for achievement. So for that reason, we're super happy to be here. We didn't come up with a question on a topic that that you're passionate about. I I hope that uh, that we can do that in the future. So yeah, and let or, us know, and we'll we'll try to work it in. Hey, you send it in under our question five. There so you can go. Read those there. And uh, no better transition like that to toss it to the rules guy. The rules of the game are simple: twenty questions split into two rounds, worth ten points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. About all the way to the top, yeah. On behalf of all of us, uh, Ken, Matt, Jeff, and myself, uh, we're very aware of the fact that we're just four you know, white dudes from the Midwest, but we try our best to 
uh, be as inclusive as possible and have as many um, female voices as we can on the show uh, just because we're kind of lacking that here in this uh, studio that many call the sweat lodge because it's always hot. So thank you for reaching out, first of all, for doing that. And uh, thank you to Maddie and Kenya for joining us and continuing that trend because something we want to keep growing and evolving with. So That's right. yeah, thank you. So without uh, further ado, let's jump on into the game. Question one, the category is business. So the question is, according to a recent study, only 24 women are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. The largest Fortune 500 company with a woman CEO is ranked number 10 overall and has products named Sonic and Spark. Name the company. And for five bonus points, name their CEO. Spark. Those almost, they, they sound very techy. Like they they're techy. I'm not giving you much to work on, so I, I'm not giving you much to work so. on. So I think we should just, you know, throw it at a dartboard and be done with it. Oh, so, all right. I guess our answer will be Samsung, and I don't think we got anything for the for the nope. name. All right. I was I was thinking I I was pretty sure that um, Spark and Sonic were Chevrolet models, and I'm I'm fairly confident that there's a woman in charge of General Motors, which would be the parent company for Chevrolet. After racking my brain for a minute, I couldn't remember her name, unfortunately, but uh, we locked in GM for the regular points. GM is right. Um, and the CEO for GM, her name is Mary Barra. That's right. And she she went to Stanford, and um, she was actually um, in their um, product development, and prior to that, she was in HR. Oh, cool. cool. Uh, question number two is on suffrage. In 1848, the Seneca Falls Convention, which was the first women's right con- rights convention, passed a resolution in favor of women's suffrage despite opposition from some of its organizers who believed that the idea was too extreme. Within four years, how many years after the Seneca Falls Convention were women finally allowed to vote in a national election? So we're basically in the same ballpark. So I'm um, uh, I think we're going to work with her number of 1919 and then working from 1848. And if I can still do math, then that's going to be 71 years. I'd be good going with 1920 just to give a little more wiggle room since we have those four years to work with. So that'd be 72. 72. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If I can math it. Yeah, absolutely. Math it correctly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think we can go with uh, 72. So, uh, yeah, we're we're thinking it was right about that time. Um we remembered uh, New Zealand was the first country to do it, um, but uh, we said uh, we we're pretty sure it was 1920, or at least 1920 was the first election uh, nationally that women participated in, in uh, that capacity, and so we said 72. All right, nice job, teams. The 19th Amendment was ratified by a majority of states right before the election of 1920, so the correct answer would be 72 years. Well done. Nice. Nicely done, Kenya. Yeah. That explains that explains oh. why 19 and 20 were in our heads and we were trying yeah. to figure it out because it yeah. was the 19th Amendment. Okay. See, we didn't even need your four years. Yeah. Take them back. <laughs> <laughs> I will take them back. <laughs> the, um, a couple interesting pieces of information about this are that um, Wyoming was actually the first state to allow women to vote um, in statewide elections in um, 1890. And the last state to ratify the 19th Amendment was Mississippi in 1984. Yikes. They, they had a lot to do, so, apparently. They, they were too busy to get around to it. Yeah. <laughs> Question number three. It, the category is professions. In what profession did Valentina Tereshkova, Krista 
McAuliffe and Eileen Collins distinguish themselves. We are locked in. Ooh. Okay. Wow. Wow, that was quick. All right, so you feel free to talk. She was uh, one of the seven on the Challenger shuttle that exploded on January 28th of 86. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Valentina Tereshkova is the first woman in space. I think she was a, a cosmonaut. So are you thinking astronaut or? Um, I know primarily Krista McAuliffe was a teacher, but then they did train her to go into space. I think astronaut would probably be the more like if they like distinguished themselves as that. No, off- no offense to all the teachers out there, but there's there's a lot of teachers. There's not that many astronauts in the world. So, yeah. Okay. And Team Curies? Yeah, we agree. We uh, Valentina Tereshkova was the first woman in space, so we said astronauts. And astronauts is correct. Nicely done. So you guys had Tereshkova McAuliffe, as you mentioned, was a part of the Challenger crew. And uh, Eileen Collins was actually the first female pilot and the first female commander of a space shuttle. All right, question number four is on first ladies. Following her husband's stroke in 1919, most historians believe that she became the first unofficial woman to be president. And she would make cabinet members wait in the West Wing sitting room hallway while she supposedly reviewed papers with her husband, but most likely made decisions on his behalf. Who was this first lady who became the third to marry a president while he was in office? Okay, Uh, so one of my uh, uh, hobbies... uh, things that I really love is learning about like a uh, presidential history. And I know for a fact, that's when I know that Wilson was in office during that time. He was in from 13 to 21. I also know that his first wife died and he married um, in the white house. So I was confident that it was uh, Woodrow Wilson's wife. And then we talked about it and we believe her first name's Edith, but we locked in with Wilson. Mm-hmm. All right. And the curious. Yeah, we, uh, we were pretty confident it was uh, Woodrow Wilson's wife. Uh, the first name had escaped us, but we locked in last name Wilson. The correct answer is Edith Wilson. Wow. Well done. Yay! Hooray! <laughs> I remember. I, I first learned about that. that story on Drunk History, uh, which was nice. <laughs> that episode a is very great. entertaining reenactment with uh, Courtney Cox, I believe, playing <laughs> uh, Edith Wilson. So Drunk History is the best she's great in everything <laughs> yeah. including cougar town oh especially yeah. cougar town. every time we record this podcast it's like drunk history with matt so oh, get out of here <laughs> i le- i've learned far too much american history and world history from drunk history that i was never taught in school uh, yes that is uh same same <laughs> okay um number question number five is on um, multifaceted women In 1933, she was one of the first celebrities to launch a clothing line selling affordable separates at Macy's and Marshall Fields that used unconventional materials such as parachute silk and buttons shaped like propellers. Who was this woman? Amelia Earhart. That kind of makes sense. Given the the parachute and the buttons that look like propellers. I just just said Hepburn because she was fashionable. But your answer has logic, and mine is just a random guess. And do you know how I love logic? Hmm. Even though it sometimes fails us. Yeah. We are we are locked in. Okay. Uh, both teams are locked in. Let's start with the Curies. That's us, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't hear any input for a while, and I thought maybe I didn't hit on yeah. mute. So we, uh, we said uh, Amelia Earhart for the, the parachutes and the uh, propeller tie-in. And Supreme Nightingale? Yeah, we went with pretty much the same logic. 1933 would have been the height of popularity for Amelia Earhart, and all the and it seems like the aviation clues point right to her. So we went with Amelia Earhart. 
Yes, that is that is correct. All right. <laughs> Yay. We are crushing this game so far. You always have to say stuff like that. <laughs> I apart. know. It's like, the... it's like a perfect game, right? She did have Don't a, talk about a, a really... perfect game. That's like the part in the movies where they're like, everything's going great right before like the serial killer comes out. <laughs> so after the first five questions, uh, it looks like the Supreme Nightingale uh, has 40 points and uh, Team the Curies uh, has 50 points. So very close game. All right. Question number six is on, I guess, literal and figurative summits. While only standing five feet tall and weighing 92 pounds, Japanese woman Junko Tabei is famous for being the first woman to climb Mount Everest and the first woman to complete the seven summits, which is the highest mountain in all seven continents. So using the Messner list that includes all of Oceania rather than just Australia, name three mountains in this list other than Mount Everest. So K2. I think it's no. So um, it's the highest peak on every continent. So mm. K2 is, is still, it's, an, oh, it's right. in the same range. So um, I believe it's Denali mm-hmm. in formerly known as Mount McKinley in Alaska for North America. I believe it's Aconcagua in South America. Obviously. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'd never remember Australia's and the one in Antarctica is kind of weird. So I think think we're going to go with and i don't know how the mesner list is distinguished because mm. there's two potential peaks in europe depending on whether you count like turkey as a part of europe or whatever Mesmer. what's the uh what's the mountain in the toto song about africa kilimanjaro kilimanjaro i believe kilimanjaro is the highest point in africa okay that is three we're three of the in. remaining six i think we've just reached a consensus so yeah we we just we just, AKA, AKA Kenya said the three answers and I said, sounds good. And we moved forward. <laughs> I'm pretty sure for North America, it's Denali, uh, AKA McKinley, AKA Denali. Um, for Africa, we have uh, Kilimanjaro. And then for the third, we have South America, which is Aconcagua. Yeah, we went through a really similar familiar. process in the sense that uh, Jeff said things and I said, okay. <laughs> You and me, Matt. Yeah. spirits here. Well, it's a good thing we weren't on the same team because this wouldn't be going oh as well. <laughs> we would have just been shrugging our shoulders at each other. Yeah. All right. So the highest mountain in Antarctica is Mount Vincent. The highest uh, mountain in Oceania is Punkak Jaya, which I'm sure I just butchered. Uh, Elbrus is the one for Europe. Uh, then you have Kilimanjaro in Africa, Denali in North America, and the one in South America is Mount... Aconcagua, so both right. teams get it right. Wow. Nicely done. <clears throat> Good job. Hooray. I kind of blacked out during that. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number seven is um, my my question because it's about psychology and I'm a, psycholo- a psychologist. Um, so this question is, Mary Ainsworth was a Canadian-American psychologist who created the experimental method known as the strange situation to test the validity of which theory, which has contributed to the rise in baby-led feeding, baby-wearing, and co-sleeping. It, like imprinting? Mm, that's <laughs> well, that's that, what there, animals do. No, there is something with imprinting, that's for sure. This makes me think of Twilight, because yeah. Jacob does that to oh Bella's kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> He imprints her. It's kind of weird. I we're mean, not he talking Im- about bite marks, Neil. Yeah. No, no, I mean, he no, imprints her. I'll imprint you, Matt. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so it looks like Supreme Nightingale is locked in uh, pretty early on this one. So what were you guys thinking here? We got nothing on it, so uh, 
what do, what do we agree on cohabit cohabitation theory? I, I, let, I let you pick I, I couldn't yeah. uh, I couldn't we, we made up, up we was. made up a theory and went with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh, Supreme Nightingale so as a medical student who just finished her OB-GYN rotation, I feel like I should know a little bit about babies. Um, so what we came up with, which just because it was revolved around like having the baby next to the mother on the mother at all times, um, we came up with the attachment theory. Um, and the the answer is attachment theory. Yay! Uh, yep. Mary Ainsworth was actually not the one who first described attachment theory, but she was the one who came up with the experimental method to actually test it. Um, and it has um, become sort of an integral part of um, how we think about child development and um, the uh, sort of basis for behavioral problems later on. So um, that's... Mary Ainsworth for you. All right. Hmm. Neil's held a baby or two in his day. Mm-hmm. I've taken care of a baby. I took a baby CPR class. I know what I'm doing. There you go. I'm safe around your kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, moving along from that, question number eight <laughs> is on technology. Uh, in the 1840s, what technology pioneer and daughter of Lord Byron wrote what is widely considered to be the first computer program? We can lock in. Ooh. <laughs> lock in. Put you on the spot. Put you on the spot, Jeff and Matt. Uh. Kenya, Kenya was so enthusiastic. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. You should have learned this, Jeff. I should have Shame learned this. Shame on you. Uh, yes, indeed. All right. Well, I don't think Matt and I are going to get it. Tapping? Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. Okay. Uh, we'll go to Supreme Nightingale. You can see my paper here, but I put down ah, Ada Lovelace. I get super excited. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% support your answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, the correct answer is Ada Lovelace. Well done. Okay. N- question number nine. The This category is the cabinet. In 1933, Frances Perkins became the first female cabinet secretary, serving under FDR for 12 years as Secretary of Labor. As of today, what three cabinet departments have yet to have a female secretary? I have no earthly idea. I could not, unfortunately, tell you the current yeah. like agriculture secretary or anyone who has ever held that position. Maybe we go with uh, Homeland Security and Housing and Urban Development and Defense. I'm good with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's this is as good an answer as any. Said with about 17% confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we may be wrong. I think Homeland is probably a good one because that's only been around for a few years. Yeah. Uh, We said energy for that same reason. I think that was a Carter era addition. So uh, we said that. And then uh, defense. What was the other one, Matt? Transportation. That's what we locked in with. This was a very difficult question. Um, I have always been a little fascinated with Frances Perkins um, since I did a report on her in the seventh grade. Um, I was just that big of a nerd. <laughs> and um, so anyways, we were we were looking at information about her, and then I got interested in, in which cabinets have never had a female secretary. And the three are Treasury, Defense, and Veterans Affairs. Um, Homeland Security uh, is actually Kirsten or Kristen Nielsen. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, that's right. And and transportation right now is Elaine Chow, mm. um, which uh, Maddie mentioned. So, um, yeah, Treasury, Defense, and Veterans Affairs have never had a female 
cabinet secretary. The other interesting thing about this is that the Department of Labor has had the most female cabinet secretaries with seven total, um, which surprised me. So, All right. Question number 10 is in music. Despite only winning one Grammy, who did Billboard name the top-selling Latin artist of the 1990s? Um, Selena or J-Lo? Oh... The perennial question. I was thinking Selena for some reason. Let's just let's just lock in with Selena. I was thinking Selena. Okay. So this is where I'm torn. On the one hand, obviously, if you're saying like going into 2000s, J Lo absolutely like 100%. But mm-hmm. you know, there's Gloria Estefan, but she was mostly 80s. And and yeah. the thing and the thing with Selena is that she had this kind of limited base when she died. But the manner in which she died made her like this martyr. And then there was this yeah. big outpouring of everything after that. And then there was a movie about her, which I don't remember when the movie came out, but that may have also repopularized her music or brought it to a larger audience. Yeah, that was my thought too, is that she was popular through the whole of the 90s, like before when she was alive. And then after her death, I think she became like even more popular. She became so a lot more who sold the most throughout the nineties of the whole decade. I think that's a better answer. I'm good. I'm good with Selena. Yeah. Isn't, uh, didn't JLo play Selena in the movie? That's kind of funny. She did. (laughs) So we locked in with Selena. You guys clued into the hint. Well, uh, the the ladies did. They only, she only won one Grammy because tragically she passed away in 1995. And the answer is Selena Quintanilla. There we go. Yeah, moving on to uh, our scores here after the first round. Uh, in second place currently are the Curies, uh, which are Matt and Jeff, with 70 points. And in the lead, the Supreme Nightingale with 80 points. All right, we have an exciting swing round. It's gonna We're going to give you 10 audio clips. They're going to be short 10, 15-second clips, and you simply just have to name the woman who is speaking in the audio clip. And there's one where... Uh, the person speaking is a fictional character and you can choose whether you want to give me the character or the actress that plays it. Sound good? You guys ready for number one? All right. Sounds good. All right, clip number one. My heart is filled with pride. My fellow citizens, I proudly accept your nomination for Vice President of the United States. All right, here's clip number two. Now, you once said that you wouldn't mind being the NFL commissioner. Yeah. Is that still your ambition? No, I told Roger Goodell, who's a good friend of mine, I said, you know, Roger, when I was worrying about the Iranians and the Russians every day, your job looked pretty good. Doesn't look so good from Northern California. <laughs> so. Clip number three. So awesome. What's Galentine's Day? Oh, it's only the best day of the year. Every February 13th, my lady friends and I leave our husbands and our boyfriends at home and we just come and kick it breakfast style. Ladies celebrating ladies. It's like Lilith Fair minus the angst. Plus frittatas. All right. Uh, Clip number four. Most of my cabinet colleagues have started off their speeches of reply by paying very well-deserved tributes to their junior ministers. Now, at number 10, I have no junior ministers. There's just Dennis and me, but I couldn't do without him. Clip number five. So I, I have to tell you, this is a reading of, of somebody. It's not the original person. 
What's that got to do with women's rights or Negroes' rights? If my cup won't hold but a pint and yours holds a quart, wouldn't you be mean not to let me have my little half measure full? That was number five. Here is number six. I'm a computer scientist. I like data because data tells us where to go and how to act. For example, one million. One million children are the number of babies that die on the first day of life. Can you believe that? Still a million children not die on the first day. So now we know we need to work on that piece of the problem. Here is number seven. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness. But just like life, I rise. This is number eight. 190 heads of state, nine are women. Of all the people in parliament in the world, 13% are women. In the corporate sector, women at the top, C-level jobs, board seats, tops out at 15, 16%. The numbers have not moved since 2002 and are going in the wrong direction. This is number nine. The terrorists thought that they would change my aims and stop my ambitions. But nothing changed in my life except this. Weakness, fear, and hopelessness died. Strength, power, and courage was born. And number 10. People ask me sometimes, when, when do you think it will be enough? When will, it, will there be enough women on the court? And my answer is, when there are nine. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. All right, it sounds like all the answers have been locked in for this swing round. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, review the answers. Number one. My heart is filled with pride. My fellow citizens, I proudly accept your nomination for Vice President of the United States. Uh, so for number one, uh, Matt and I thought that was Geraldine Ferraro. We also thought it was Geraldine Ferraro. Geraldine Ferraro is correct. First woman to be nominated for Vice President, uh, part of a 
major political party. Well done. Number two. Now, you once said that you wouldn't mind being the NFL commissioner. Yeah. Is that still your ambition? No, I told Roger Goodell, who's a good friend of mine, I said, you know, Roger, when I was worrying about the Iranians and the Russians every day, your job looked pretty good. Doesn't look so good from Northern California. <laughs> so, we, uh, we were hoping she would also then run the Cleveland Browns. We said this was Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> I, yeah, we were we knew that right away. That's yeah. that's uh, Condi. <laughs> that is indeed Condi. Well done. Number three. So awesome. What's Galentine's Day? Oh, it's only the best day of the year. Every February thirteenth, my lady friends and I leave our husbands and our boyfriends at home, and we just come and kick it breakfast style. Ladies celebrating ladies. It's like Lilith Fair minus the angst, plus frittatas. All right. Yeah, I asked Jeff if he knew this, and he said, "Nope." we also said leslie nope aka amy poehler (laughs) you both got it well done all right number four most of my cabinet colleagues have started off their speeches of reply by paying very well deserved tributes to their junior ministers now at number 10 i have no junior ministers there's just Dennis and me, but I couldn't do without him. The Iron Lady herself, Margaret Thatcher. We also said Margaret Thatcher. Resident of 10 Downing Street. Well done, Margaret Thatcher. All right, number five. What's that got to do with women's rights or Negroes' rights? If my cup won't hold but a pint and yours holds a quart, wouldn't you be mean not to let me have my little half measure full? Uh, this one, we didn't really have too much on it. I thought it sounded uh, like something I had heard uh, previously and just said, so join her truth. Oh, no. Kenya. <laughs> Kenya looks pained. <laughs> we, uh, we we thought long and hard and then took a flyer on Susan B. Anthony. Uh, so in 1851 was a year. It was part of the Women's Convention in Akron, Ohio. That was a famous speech now called Ain't I a Woman by Sojourn Our Truth. Well done. Yeah. Uh. I knew, I knew that was the one that gave us the most pain. And now I can retire from the game, just so you guys know. That's that's amazing that they were able to get a recording in 1851. Yeah. Yeah. So clear. Number six. I'm a computer scientist. I like data because data tells us where to go and how to act. For example, one million. One million children are the number of babies that die on the first day of life. Can you believe that? Still a million children not die on the first day. So now we know we need to work on that piece of the problem. Spent all my brain power on the previous one and thought this <laughs> might have been Murphy Brown, and I know that's not right, so we, <laughs> so we had nothing. Um, we kind of put the clues together, computer science plus, uh, you know, concern about, you know, childhood poverty and childhood, you know, like illness and things like that, and we landed on Melinda Gates. So this woman used to be, I think, had a product for a little startup called Microsoft. And it was <laughs> Melinda Gates. Well done. Good pull. All right, number seven. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness. But just like life, I rise. Uh, unfortunately, another swing and a miss for us. This we'll... is uh, one we didn't rise to the occasion on, mm. so... As soon as I heard her voice, uh, I knew it was Maya Angelou. And then when it finished with I Rise, I was like, yeah, that's definitely Maya Angelou. <laughs> I, I candidly hadn't heard that uh, poem of hers, but Kelly really likes it. And 
We almost played the entire poem for you instead of the 10-second clip because it's definitely worth it. But it is Maya Angelou. Well done. I wondered if uh, if that was her, but I I, can't, I I know I'd heard her recordings yeah. before, but I couldn't put the... Yeah. It's so weird to like... Especially like Melinda Gates, I've never heard yeah. speak. Mm-hmm. And you never said it out of. loud, so thanks, Jeff. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number eight. 190 heads of state, nine are women. Of all the people in parliament in the world, 13% are women. In the corporate sector, women at the top, C-level jobs, board seats, tops out at 15, 16%. The numbers have not moved since 2002 and are going in the wrong direction. Uh, This one, we kind of didn't have any inroads, and then I threw out the name Elizabeth Warren, and it sounded familiar, so we went with Elizabeth Warren. And we went from a different angle. We didn't think it was a politician talking about business. We thought maybe it was a businesswoman talking about politics, and we went with Sheryl Sandberg. So after talking about uh, misrepresentation and all those various fields, she goes on to uh, express that she wants women to lean in more. So Sheryl Sandberg is correct. Nice. nice pull. All right, number nine. The terrorists thought that they would change my aims and stop my ambitions. But nothing changed in my life except this. Weakness, fear, and hopelessness died. Strength, power, and courage was born. We know, we know this one sounds familiar, but we couldn't put it together. All right, so based off the basically the accent and then kind of her thoughts of or her her expression of rising from you know being no one to being who she is today we went with Eva Perón uh this was a tough one so in 2014 she was the recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize she gave a speech to the UN ah, it's Malala it is Malala oh. Yay, Malala. Yay. The, the only two people who knew it was me and Neil, right? Yeah, Ken and I both knew that one. and, and uh, we're, we're just like, dying here in the studio. Yeah, we were dying to say something because they were, they were way off. But <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> and uh, 10. People ask me sometimes, when, when do you think it will be enough? When will, it, will there be enough women on the court? And my answer is, when there are nine. Uh, we thought this was uh, the badass Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And we also went with, the, with the Notorious RBG. RBG is correct. Well done. So All right. I saw her pumping iron on uh, Colbert that one time. I wouldn't mess with her. <laughs> so after the swing round, uh, the Curies uh, picked up an additional 30 points, and the uh, Supreme Nightingale picked up an additional 40 points. Ooh. So that's going to bring their totals uh, to the Curies at an even 100 going into round two, and the Supreme Nightingale, 120. All right, moving on to the second half. Um, question number 11 is in medicine. Which two British contemporaries and groundbreakers in the field of medicine from the 1850s fiercely advocated for sanitation and hygiene in hospitals? One had a Longfellow poem written about her, and the other one was the first woman to receive a medical degree in the U.S. Claire, Claire Barton, right? She is. Yeah, that would make sense. Wasn't she the one saying, like, you know, if you just washed your hands, people would stop yeah. dying? Okay, so we got Claire Barton, and then we got uh, oh, Nightingale. Okay, Nightingale. Done. All right. They are locked in. The only name I'm coming to is like Hutchinson. <laughs> I, I mean, I would ran, I would rather go with the random name that popped into your head. Which okay. Is, uh, Hutchinson. Hutch, Hutchinson. 
Hutchinson. So, so, so we'll go with what Night- Nightingale and Hutchinson. Um, the answer is Florence Nightingale uh, was the one who had a Longfellow poem written about her, and the other was Elizabeth Blackwell. Blackwell. No. Oh. Oh. Yeah. oh my God. Um, the the interesting thing about them, they were they were actually born just within months of each other, and they died within months of each other, and. Oh. They knew each other well and were friends and then sort of became frenemies um, over, ironically, kind of how to get more women into the field of medicine and healthcare. So um, it's kind of just an interesting, interesting story there. So now I've got to read more about her. So thank you. Consult your local library. All right. Uh, second round question number two is in countries. And since we wrote this, you think we would have made it easier on ourselves. But Vigtis Finbogadotir uh-huh, uh, was the first directly elected president of this country, which has become known as one of the countries with highest gender equality in the world. Uh, we're locked in. Mm-hmm. It was my pronunciation, right? That yeah, led to your that was pretty point. impressive, I will say. And, and we'll clarify that. Uh, she was the first directly elected female president of I'm sorry, this yeah, country. I'm sorry, female president of this country. So it, it's either Norway or Iceland, and I'm leaning very heavily towards Iceland. With that last name, I'm thinking Iceland. Yeah. So I'm yes. good with it. Okay, Let's go. Iceland. <laughs> All right, and the Curies. Yeah, this is uh, this was not hurt by my recent travels there, but uh, Vidis, as they call her, uh, was the first elected president of Iceland. Uh, woman president of Iceland. Well done. That is correct. Iceland is right. And according to World Economic Forum, recent analysis, they're number one uh, after you consider economic participation, education, health, and political empowerment. And the U.S. is number 51, right below Mozambique. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're coming for you, Mozambique. I think the other stat, too, I think, for uh, women's empowerment is they have the closest... Um, pay gap difference it's that's right it's almost negligible yeah which uh which was due to a um women's strike in 1970 um they had i think about 90 percent of women participated in this strike and um they didn't go to work they didn't do house care they didn't do child rearing for a whole day and then the next year they passed like an equal pay act so um awesome women 45% 45% of the population just dropped off the map for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> That's why like, oh, no. <laughs> we're not too far from Liz Estrada happening. So if it has to, it needs to happen. So, All right. Uh, question number three. This is in legislation. Um, the first woman of color elected to Congress was Patsy Takamoto Mink, representing Hawaii. Perhaps her capstone accomplishment was the introduction of legislation that stipulated that no person shall be excluded from any educational program or activity receiving federal financial assistance on the basis of sex. How is this piece of legislation commonly known? Yeah, we're good, right? Kenya. I think we're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> you guys are like on fire, both teams now. Yeah, because you probably just saw the look of despair on my face. You're like, I'm here to save you. <laughs> All right. You guys said you're locked in? They, they are, yes. We are. All right. Kenya, I think this is Title Nine. Ah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think discrimination yes. on the basis of sex. So, all right, we'll okay. go with Title IX. 
Yeah, I knew this mostly through when they talk about sports scholarships and having to be even. Uh, they it's always brought up as Title Nine, so Title Nine is what we locked in with. That is correct. It's Title Nine. It amended the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, and the interesting piece of information about this is that um, it was originally considered sort of a waste of money because it was um, originally kind of. Uh, thought about in terms of sports and the original thinking was that women weren't participating in sports because there just was no interest in participating in sports by women Um, but since uh, title IX was passed um, the participation in collegiate collegiate athletics has increased by 560 Mm percent and high school athletics has increased by almost a thousand percent so um, there definitely is an interest and this was helpful yes Thank you for the sports adjacent question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Question number four is on book adaptations. American Horror Story Asylum was loosely based on 10 Days in a Madhouse, an expose of insane asylum conditions written by what New York World reporter? We can lock in. Yep. Isn't this where she like, she went in and then like, did, was she not able to get out? Is that the story? Don't, I don't remember the the details surrounding it, but do you have any idea? No, I'm trying to. I don't. I don't recall the name. I believe a reporter in that area would be was Lois Lane working for? <laughs> no. Okay, we got nothing. <laughs> What's the Daily Bugle anyway? Tapping out. Daily Bugle with Spider Man. Yeah, Damn Daily, it. Daily, <laughs> Can't Daily get that right. Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> Daily Planets. Daily, Daily That's Planet. That's the one. Yeah. All right, so you're tapping. So uh, what about you, uh, Supreme Nightingale? <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we agree on Nellie Bly. Yeah, per, our, per drunk history conversation earlier. Yeah. Nellie Bly. We, we get all questions directly from drunk history. Uh, but that is, the, that is the correct answer. She pretended to be insane and went in and just chronicled everything she saw, and it led to an increased funding and uh, funding from the federal government and correction uh, institutions and mental asylums as well. Yeah, you were thinking of just a, a lot of psychological thrillers where someone goes every and same, yeah, every single one where they can't get out. One where Jennifer Lopez ends up in. Yeah, just there is an that. Angelina Jolie movie too, where she like for some reason can't get out to see her kid or something like that. I think I think that's what you were. Or I'm sure. I about, just I yeah. made up my own oh, movie in my head. It was the really Halle good. Very classic. Uh, That's exactly Gothica. what I was thinking of. Actually. Gothica, yeah, with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Great yeah. movie. Yuck. <laughs> Magnifique. Uh, well, thank you to our sponsor for this episode, Drunk History. <laughs> Question number five. Uh, the category is photography. On December 8th, 1980, this photographer shot one of her most famous stills, capturing a naked man hugging his fully clothed wife in New York City. Just hours later, the man was dead. Who was the photographer and who was her subject? Good I'm not year. familiar with this this photo at all. No. No, we got nothing. But I'm definitely going to Google a photo with a naked man in a oh. few minutes here. So, <laughs> Not safe for work. Uh, <laughs> we got uh, Keep your personal uh, proclivities <laughs> to yourself. Uh, Generally, it's not recommended that you just blanket, like, Google naked man, naked man. to try to get. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, might, it might not be one of the top ten searches. <laughs> a really general naked man photo. <laughs> oh, I, I typed in named man. No wonder nothing oh, came up. Yes. I'm like, maybe the internet got less dirty. I the know. named man. <laughs> All right. The unnamed uh, man. Um. Yeah, we don't have anything. Uh. 
All right. So we believe the photographer is Annie Leibowitz, and it's a photograph of Kenya. You want to take it? One of the things uh, that really sticks with me is dates. And as soon as they said December 8th, 1980, I knew it was John Lennon. It's when John Lennon was shot in New York City. Um, So I got the person right away um, with Yoko, obviously, and then she remembered the photographer. So yes, Annie Leibowitz and John Lennon. I knew Yoko would be in there somewhere. (laughs) She's always in the mix. I knew it. It's a, it's a great photo. It's really a great photo. Um, she's one of the best uh, ever photographers. She's so good. An interesting couple of interesting facts about her. She um, became the chief photographer for Rolling Stone magazine at age 23, which impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the first woman to have an exhibition at the Washington National Portrait Gallery. So good on her. All right. Question number six. I guess we forgot to put a title on this. Let's call this Long Overdue Achievement. Um, In June of 2018, King Salman of this Middle East country issued a decree officially allowing women to drive, becoming the last country to do so. We are locked in. Yeah, I know this one. I know like Saudi Arabia. It's a big deal. So that was my first thought. That's the first thing that popped into my head as well was Saudi Arabia. Okay. So you want to just go with that? I'd say let's go with it. All right. All right. So Saudi Arabia. Yep. We uh, we mm-hmm. agree. We said this was Saudi Arabia. You both are correct. Well done. It's crazy. In 2018, you that story comes out and you're like, is this from like the mm-hmm. 1800s or something? No, or really? And it's like, the, nope, just yeah, happened. Yeah, some <laughs> of the first women who had um, driver's license issued in Saudi Arabia already had valid driver's licenses yeah. in other countries. All right. Question number seven. This is about Hollywood. Who can claim all three of the following achievements? The first woman to run a major Hollywood studio, the first to star in a show that portrays an interracial couple, and the second to be visibly pregnant in a TV show. Kenya. Okay. Good. She's got it. I trust her. I think this is Lucille Ball. That makes 100% sense. That's. I think that's what we're going with. Okay. Lucille Ball. Yep. Desilu Studios. She ran it with her husband, Desi Arnaz. It's Lucille Ball. Um, That's absolutely correct. Nicely done. Question number eight is on civil rights. Dolores Huerta is a prominent figure in U.S. Latino history who, along with Cesar Chavez, co-founded what is now known as the United Farm Workers. And she advocated for labor and social rights. She also came up with the slogan, Si Se Puede, which 30 years later was translated into English and used by a famous American politician. What is this famous rallying cry? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're locked in, right? Yeah. You got it? Okay. Never mind. I just want to make sure you wrote it down correctly because you and I disagree occasionally I don't, yeah. when I don't check what we agree yeah, on. All right. Yeah, locked in. <laughs> I believe it's Yes, We Can. I believe this was also in uh, a Disney Channel original movie, possibly called <laughs> Gotta Kick It Up. Maybe that that America was... Pereira in it that they cheered Cesar Puerto. Hey, however you can get it. Um, if we so... just right because of Disney, oh my god! <laughs> I was hoping that would be the question that I needed to answer. Um, yes, we can. I'm totally with you. All right, we'll go with that then. Yeah, I just used my uh, three years of Spanish from high school. And remember to... that poder <laughs> means to do. Yeah, right? and uh, or, or can yes, local boy Barack. Uh, <laughs> yes, we can. That is correct. Yes, we can is right. And it's actually uh, also now being used in Spanish by Juan Guaido, who's the new uh, Venezuelan pres- uh, president or, you know, according to him, president. There's just some dispute within the country still. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number nine, is, the category is movies. 
Only five women have ever been nominated for a Best Director Academy Award. Name three of them. And for five bonus points each, name the other two. I think I've reached the end of, of my knowledge base here, unfortunately. I think I reached mine before the question even started. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, you came up with so, like two of them. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're like 50% yeah. responsible for this list. So, okay. We came up with um, Penny Marshall, Sofia Coppola, Catherine Bigelow, and Ava DuVernay. Uh, we started with Penny Marshall and Sofia Coppola and then thought that Barbara Streisand was possibly one. So we locked in with Babs. Neil? Uh, I locked in, uh, I believe the first was Lena Wertmuller for Seven Beauties in the 70s. And then it would have been um, Jane Campion for The Piano. Uh, Sofia Coppola, Lost in Translation. Um, Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker. And Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Mm. Mm. <laughs> well done well done neil you got all of them yeah. plus the movies no points but i'm okay with that yeah we got one yeah so no points it sounds like yeah. for anybody no no point no harm no foul yeah yeah all right and last question of the second round you were excited about the sports adjacent question earlier now you get an actual sports question Ooh. no <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm okay with that <laughs> Who once won 14 LPGA golf tournaments in a row, despite only taking up the sport at age 24? Whoa. Oh, wow. So our thought was, if you're going to win 14 tournaments in a row, you're probably not modern era. So we kind of went way, way back um, and landed on, uh, we're going to go with Z- Zaharis as a last name. Okay. Uh, my brain completely froze and I could not think of any golfers. And all I could think of was someone who definitely started golfing pro when she was like 14, which just makes it wrong. <laughs> so we said Michelle Wee. All right. So she uh, also won two gold medals in the 32 Olympics and pitched several innings of spring training baseball uh, and managed to win a whole bunch of golf tournaments. Her name is Babe Didrikson Zaharias. Well done. Uh, great, great poll. Good job. Yay. As we were saying, sounds amazing. As we were saying, <laughs> more drunk history. There's an awesome episode. I think it's Emily Deschanel who plays her. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. This definitely. Good information it's, it's to have yesterday. I should just watch the show. <laughs> well, great, great poll, Maddie. Um, so that pulls the uh, Supreme Nightingales uh, to 200 points and the lead going into the final round, strong. and very, very strong. And the Curies are at 150, so hey. not too far behind, but uh, we'll take it. Yeah. Okay, the categories are um, authors, sports, again, again, words and phrases, the armed forces, and science. All right, all of the wagers are locked in, so we can get uh, to the questions. So take it away, Doug and Kelly. Okay, question number one, the category again is authors. Who in the mid-19th century published a book that originally used the subtitle The Man That Was a Thing before changing it to Life Among the Lowly? All right. Question number two is in sports. In the Rio Olympics of 2016, Ibtihaj Muhammad became the first female Muslim-American athlete to win an Olympic medal and the first to compete while wearing a hijab. What sport did she compete in? Can you say your name again, please? I can try. Ibtihaj Muhammad. Number three, the category is words and phrases. In 2006, 
Tarana Burke, a social activist and community organizer, began using this now famous two-word phrase as part of a campaign to promote empowerment through empathy. Number four is in the armed forces. Which branch of the military has the highest percentage of women among its enlisted members? And number five is in science. Kind of. Kind of. Um, <laughs> it's actually really in math, so sorry about that. But you're both penalized <laughs> equally, so. Um, <laughs> nice. How dare you? I didn't. I didn't label it's the okay. categories. Right. Um, I'm we blaming it on my equally. husband. <laughs> um, uh, Mariam Mirzakani was only 40 when she died, but by then she had already transcended gender and ethnicity norms by becoming the first woman and the first Iranian to win what most coveted prize in mathematics. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all the answers have been locked in. So uh, why don't you guys take it away with the questions one more time, and then we'll give our answers. Okay, question number one. Who in the mid-19th century published a book that originally used the subtitle The Man That Was a Thing before changing it to Life Among the Lowly? All right, let's go with uh, the Curies first. Uh, yes, we wagered 20 points on this one, and we weren't sure which one, so we went with the Barante. Okay, and uh, the Supreme Nightingale. Honestly, we got tired of thinking about the question. We just went with Louisa May Alcott. And we wagered five points. Um, and the the answer is Harriet Beecher Stowe, um, <laughs> and it's a reference to oh, Uncle Tom's Uncle cabin. Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, nope. No. 
<laughs> I was not going to get there. All right. Question number two is in sports. In the Rio Olympics of 2016, Ibtihaj Muhammad became the first female Muslim-American athlete to win an Olympic medal and the first to compete while wearing a hijab. What sport did she compete in? All right. Let's go again with Curious. Uh, yeah, we wagered 20 on this one. Uh, I originally was thinking something like archery, and then I was berated and said that's wrong. Um, and then we locked into track and field. I sort of remember her doing a running event. but Some kind of running, track and field. All right, and Nightingale. We wagered uh, five points, and uh, I did remember this, I think, just because they had a lot of commercials of her pulling off her mask to show that she was wearing a hijab, and I believe she participated in fencing. Fencing is correct. Well done. All right. Question number three. In 2006, Tarana Burke, a social activist and community organizer, began using this now famous two-word phrase as part of a campaign to promote empowerment through empathy. All right. Uh, Curious. Yep. We wagered 20 points on this one, and we are fairly certain this is Me Too. And we wagered 15 points, and we also said Me Too. That's correct. All right, question number four is in the armed forces. Which branch of the military has the highest percentage of women among its enlisted members? Curious? Yeah, you're going to notice a pattern here. We went 20 again. Uh, And uh, we said the U.S. Coast Guard. And uh, we wagered absolutely nothing, and we said Air Force. We actually would have accepted one of two answers. One of them was the Navy, and the other one was the Air Force. So enjoy zero points. Well done. (laughs) <laughs> our, dis- our disagreement over absolutely nothing <laughs> is worth zero points yeah <laughs> all right and number five um mariam uh mirzakani was only 40 when she died but by then she had already transcended gender and ethnicity norms by becoming the first woman and the first iranian to win what most coveted prize in mathematics all right, Curious. Uh, we wagered 20 points on this one, and we're pretty certain that this is the Fields Medal. All right, Nightingale? We wagered uh, 10 points, and uh, Kenya's spark of genius, she remembered that it is the Fields Medal. As I was saying, it's the one from A Beautiful Mind. They <laughs> talk about it on the podcast uh, all the and time. Neil? Oh, yeah, from Good Will Hunting. It goes, the Fields Medal. I don't want it. You can have it. He's telling Skarsgård. <laughs> Robin Williams parading him in the bar. The Fields Medal, the Fields Medal, the Fields Medal. Yeah. That is correct. It is the Fields Medal. All right. Well, uh, looks like after tabulating some scores here, a little score trivia for you uh, after the Lucille Ball question. If you guys are interested to know, the Lucy Lucy Show uh, still makes almost $20 million annually from... Um, reruns for the studio, which wow. is pretty crazy. Still, oh God, who's watching that? Everyone's watching it, I guess. Um, but uh, <laughs> it looks like uh, the Curious landed at one thirty, and this is not a second or third take. And <laughs> let's uh, just say that uh, <laughs> quoting Stellan Skarsgård is the closest that uh, Neil will ever get to a Fields Medal. So <laughs> that's true. Well done, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, and uh, today's uh, big champions are the Supreme Nightingales with 225 points and today's cream of the crop. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in, but the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. Air high five. You guys mind melded on like yeah, several. Like, you you kind of like, nagged it like yes. the best of them. Sometimes it's just a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. What, what can we say? You guys should create a, a new a new trivia team. 
Or or perhaps a superhero named Supreme Nightingale. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Anywhere there's a question going unanswered, Supreme Nightingale will appear. <laughs> and her na- her uh her alter ego is uh Kenya Chandler. There you go. Mm. Very <laughs> nice. Very nice. Well, thank you all for uh for being on the show and being contestants and hosting. Yeah. Uh, it's been a it's been a real blast today. Well, we're excited. Uh, Doug and Kelly will come back to host uh, another game, uh, which we're we're looking forward to. Uh, but first, we just want to say a thank you uh, to Maddie Chandler for for joining us. Uh, any last words or things you'd like people to check out, Maddie? Uh, not really. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I guess as a future physician, go to your family doctor for a checkup. Wise words. Do it. <laughs> It'll help you in the long run. Yeah, come on, Matt. Just go get some medicine. I got uh, insurance. <laughs> he doesn't need it. We he, we've checked his wires are tight. Uh, yeah, <laughs> do for an upgrade. Uh, Kenya, uh, Kenny Hitchens, thank you very much for for joining us as well. Uh, any last words from you? I am in a classic rock cover band in the St. Louis area called Whiskey Moon, and uh, you can find us on Facebook at Whiskey Moon S T L. So W H I S K E Y M O O N S T L. Yay, I can still spell um, <laughs> on Facebook. And, um, you know, and, and that's where we'll update for like upcoming gigs and things like that. If you're local in the St. Louis area, we'd love to see you. Any awesome. any last words, uh, Kelly and Doug? Uh, no, again, thank you for having us. You guys do a, an amazing job. And, you know, the, the, it is certainly the best part of our Mondays to check out what you guys have uploaded every week. So thank you for, for doing such a great job every week. Yeah, and... And thank you for doing a, a whole um, episode on awesome women. And yeah, it's great. It's great to celebrate women. To our listeners uh, on International Women's Day and every day, be sure to tell the women in your life how great they are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Every day, probably. Every day would be good. <laughs> right, Doug? Yeah. <laughs> every day is good. You don't have to answer that, Doug. Times a day better. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about when they were talking about the the women's strike in Iceland. It only took one day for yeah. them, every man to realize they were totally screwed. <laughs> That's why I brought up Liz Estrada. So if you haven't read it, you should you should read that play. But uh, for those of you uh, who want to learn some more information about International Women's Day, you can go to internationalwomensday.com. And this year, uh, it is March eighth. Uh, every year and uh, the hashtag they're using is hashtag balance for better so if you'd like to get into the conversation with that um, feel free to use that hashtag mm-hmm. and uh, the women in the studio here today are very valued and appreciated uh, and thank you very much for joining us for uh, my co-hosts Ken, Matt, Jeff our guests Kenya, Maddie and our guest hosts Doug and Kelly my name is Neil and that was Triviality Yeah Feels mad. I don't give a shit. How about them apples? Yeah, he plays the exact same character that he always plays. A guy who starts out nice and then turns into a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs>